Hey guys and welcome to the One Stop Hip Hop Shop. This is part two of episode four. It's all about the music. You'll be hearing our album reviews. I did uh, Revenge of the Dreamers 3 by Dreamville. And I did Jaden Smith's Iris, the uh, follow-up to Cy. Do those, what do those names mean? So Cy is his middle name. Oh, okay, that's um, a pretty bad middle name. And I'll explain Iris when we get to the review. Does it have to do with an eye? Like a third eye? No, of? no. Okay. No. <laughs> uh, you'll also be hearing our review of the Rap Song of the Year. We're up to 1982 this yes. week. Uh, as well as our Discog Dive. Who did you do for that? I did uh, The Weeknd. She's got a fair few oh, yeah. albums, so... He does. Is um, it The Weeknd or The Weeknd? The Weeknd to The Weeknd. I think it's all the same at this point. It just doesn't have an E in there. The Weeknd. <laughs> and yeah, my autocorrect kept changing it to The Weeknd. So I just left it like that at that point. I couldn't be bothered changing it literally every time, so... <laughs> That's fair enough. Uh, and I did the rap region on Detroit. I'm expecting some Eminem, Royce yep. Five Nine, Big yep. Sean. Yep. Uh, Trick Trick. Yep, he's in there. Mm. <laughs> uh, uh, I think that's everything. So let's get started. What do you want to do first? Uh, go for go for rap region. Yeah, I'm, right. I want to hear about some Detroit boys. All right. So Detroit is a very dirty and violent place where people just deal with problems. Right. Okay. And that's just, that's nothing to them. That's just dealing with a problem, that's it. Uh, and this is a constant throughout Detroit's history, all the way from the start of hip-hop in 1980 to now. No matter how high up you are either, if an artist stole a verse from another artist, they were dealt with. There you go, they were dealt with. They gave them the hands. They did. Uh, in 1980, Future Funk Records, a neighbourhood record store, opened on West Seven Mile Road. Oh, not eight mile road. I don't. I think it might be eight mile road, and I think it was just a typo mm-hmm. in like the article. Yeah, maybe. Because later, when I was reading about uh, where Eminem sort of like first started rap battling, yeah, it was on eight mile at Future Funk Records. Oh, maybe they. Uh, so it might have been. I don't know. Maybe they had a change up. But maybe the road name changed. Uh, who knows? Um, Jerry Flynn Dale, an aspiring MC, saw this record store opening as a bit of an opportunity and just made like a real makeshift stage out the front and just started playing instrumentals. There you go. After a while, this drew the attention of people, some of which were rappers, and they would just join in and rap over the instrumentals. In 1985, old mate Flynn opened up a studio called Deaf Sound Studios and it was the first studio designed for hip-hop artists. All the studios before this thought that rap was like too dangerous and troublesome and no good would come of it. So right. they just, they stayed away from it. That's a naughty, naughty rap. <laughs> uh, there was also another teenage DJ coming up, mm-hmm. James Harris, AKA the black man. The black man. That was his name. He used his basement to record and any local teenage MC was more than welcome to come in. Uh, In the late 80s, radio DJ Billy T was helping all of the up-and-coming local MCs out by playing as many as he could on the radio. Although, unfortunately, at the close of the 80s was when corporations began to take over radio playlists. 
Uh, and although all of this hubbub was being created in Detroit, not a single artist emerged from the scene. Okay. There was a lot of stars still making music, but there wasn't one star that came out into mainstream media. There, there wasn't, wasn't one... There wasn't Eminem yet. There no was Eminem not. yet. All right. Uh, one of the first popular Detroit MCs, Nicky D, said that even though we were trying back then, I just don't think people talk to the Detroit sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mid to late 90s is when Detroit started getting heard. Jerome Mongo and Maurice Malone opened up the hip hop shop. Okay, the hip hop shop. Yep. It's quite a name. Since opening that, the next 10 years are referred to as the hip hop shop era for Detroit. Right, they opened up right next to Future Funk Records. Oh, that's dirty. That's a, that's a slimy <laughs> move. I th- well, I think the hip hop shop was like clothes and like oh, okay. uh, more of a shop, like a, a music shop. Oh, okay, sure. Um, the hip hop shop sponsored now historic freestyle battles every Saturday. That's where Black Eminem. Milk was regular. Oh, Black Milk, sure. Eminem was a regular. Uh, other spots then started coming up and hosting similar events on different days like cafes Mm. like pretty much every local business was joining in yeah um Big Proof scored a feature in the Source magazine under their unsigned hype segment around this time Royster59 signed with Tommy Boy Fat Cat signed to Payday which was Jay-Z's first label Eminem and D12 signed to Interscope Slum Village signed to Capital, and A Tribe Called Quest began working with the legendary Detroit producer, Dilla. 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 Jay Dilla. Donuts, yeah. Yep. Rest in peace. I was about to buy his vinyl yesterday. Actually. Oh, wait. A little piece of, uh, had it in my hand, but went with uh, <clears throat> Tyler Creator's Scumfuck Flower Boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's actually in the room right now. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was around this time that it really started to start making some waves. Uh, early to mid 2000s though a lot of artists began emerging which is where Eminem really sort of started rising to fame and he actually brought a lot of mainstream like media attention to Detroit yeah. with his very fucked up lyrics yeah when he when he messed up Papa Doc yep. was that real? <laughs> no. no god damn it I wish it was real like it might have been real but his name wasn't Papa Doc yeah. <laughs> it was like loosely based off his life but um I recently learned actually Eminem's first album like first ever album Infinite yeah was not like horrorcore yeah it was like it's love really stories bad. and shit really bad. <laughs> it was I've bad. listened to it yeah <laughs> it came out in like 1995 or something like yeah. that yeah yeah that was made for the radio yeah and then yeah I, I don't know what sort of inspired him to do the, the horrorcore sort of stuff but that was sort of like very early 2000s and that inspired or that sort of brought a lot of media attention to him and Detroit and you know other uh, Detroit artists yeah um, the early to mid 2000s a lot of artists began emerging and even though Detroit has already had a fair amount of history before this this is seen as where Detroit actually started as a music scene like started developing their sound but as hard as they all were trying to put Detroit on the map of mainstream hip-hop, at that t- time, Detroit was just chaotic. Big Proof and Royster 5-9 uh, pulled guns on each other in June 2004. Three months later, uh, Wipeout was murdered. He was from um, the East Cheddar Boys, or East Cheddar Boys. Mm-hmm. Um, 
April 2005, Black Icewood was murdered. Then eight months later, Obi Trice was shot. And the artists coming up in this time really helped give Detroit its sound. And although it wasn't positive at the time, they were giving Detroit a lot of media talk. Um, yeah, like I mentioned, Eminem sort of bringing a lot of attention to Detroit for just being deranged. Uh, same as the Insane Clown Posse. They were sort of coming up around ICP. that time. Yep, ICP. Um, wait, what, what drug is, like, those three letters? That, PCP. PCP, that's the one I was thinking of. That should have been what they... Is there, like, a Pinsane. synonym? <laughs> Surely there's a synonym of insane that rhymes... Or that starts with P. We'll have to get onto that. Yeah. Someone Google that for us. <laughs> um, and yeah, they really got people talking with their just like insane looks, lyrics, like just their whole uh, MO. Uh, in 2005 as well, uh, Proof and Royce made up. I just want to mention that. They, they were touring together. Oh, look at um, that. I think it was Proof's tour and Royce was opening for him. Oh, I, I don't really know. Uh, in 2007, Doughboy's Cash Out released We Run The City, and these guys came up with the super famous phrase, bros before hoes. There you go, that came from Detroit, did it? Yep. There you go. I can guarantee everyone has heard that before, and most of us have used it. I didn't know where it came from, I thought it was just... Just a saying. Yeah. But no. no, it's in, a, in, a, in an album. Uh, Danny Brown is also one of the most oh. lyrical rappers we have today. He, he started coming up in the mid-2000s using social media to his advantage. Uh, and yeah, that's about all I've got. Detroit sort of... I don't know, after sort of the 2010s, there's not much history there. It's more sort of like the mid to late 2000s. Yeah. Got some... There'll be some come up-and-comers. Rooster 5'9's still going strong. Well, that's actually one thing that um, a lot of articles mentioned. That, like, although... It's sort of right now is how Detroit sort of started out. There's no big artist from there, but there's just artists sort of pushing at the boundaries. Yeah. yeah there's, there's still artists making music, still artists doing things, but there's just no artists sort of pushing through just yet. Yeah. But I'm, I'm sure there will be. I'm sure there will be. Eminem, oh, he doesn't have a son. Imagine if he did and he became a Oh, rapper. mate. Imagine the... The, um... The weight yeah. that his son would have on his shoulders. He'd probably be a stained clad rap by let's be honest. Never never beefing with his own son. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, I'll do uh, my album review um, and then we'll do yours, then we'll go back to the The Discord dive? Yeah, we'll yeah okay. change up this I like that. Alright, so I did Iris Backwards Sire. Um, that could give away what it uh, means. Wait, what do you mean? Like, Sire backwards is Iris. <laughs> so, <laughs> is it just the whole Sire album played in reverse? No, no, that would be fun. <laughs> that would be much better. No, um, I have a lot to say about this album. There's quite a lot of um, hate going around at the moment. Um, a few critics, Anthony Fantano gave it a three. I did see that. Um... Sean C, who I actually really enjoy listening to, he's a um, YouTube reviewer too. He gave it a boring out of ten. <laughs> um, I oh, saw... Also, I have a quick question. Yeah. You know how in the back of my book I'm writing down the the reviews and the length of mm. all the albums that we're doing, just so I can work out sort of which length albums gets the highest average score. Sure. 
What do I put when Anthony Fantano rates it not good out of 10? Um, probably a 2. Okay. Because I don't think he gives out 2s normally, does he? I think if it's a 2, does know. he give it a... I don't know. Has he ever reviewed something like bad out of 10? I have no idea. I don't really watch him that much. Okay. Um, yeah, so I'm not actually a Jaden Smith stan. Um, I just think he's a, he's a good young kid, and I think he's... Mm. He's very creative. A, yeah, I think he's been just put under a lot of um, pressure and received a lot of hate that I don't think well, um, most people would normally get um, coming up, like not from the situation he was in. That's fair. I think a lot of the hate is just due to his like weird-ass tweets yeah. that don't make sense. Um, and yes, this album, much like his previous works, Cozy Tapes and uh, Sire, does have a lot of influences from other artists um like people who he's worked close with Tyler Creator Brock Hampton Kanye who he hasn't worked with but uh is friends with Travis Scott um they're the ones that spring to mind immediately but this album isn't all encompassing like you you couldn't turn on a song and be like oh that's a sicko mode remix you know what I mean like a lot of people are like putting it out there as if he's just like taking it um just like completely for himself and just stuck his name on it. But he hasn't done that. And he doesn't have a clear artistic vision. I think that that much is evident. But mm. I think he's got it about 80% there. And then the rest he's just sort of copying and pasting and piecing together like a collage of um, other other artists. But I, I don't think it's as bad as what people think. And as an as an overall album, I did enjoy this for what it was. Just something to set the set the tone, set the mood, the vibe. Um, and just enjoy it from there. Like, it wasn't... I wasn't going in looking for any deeper meaning. This is ultimately a trap album. Um, okay. Like, it's it's a very mellow trap album. Like, it's not cultured or finally rich or something like that. Yeah. Um, but, ultimately, a lot of drum patterns, uh, a lot of uh, hi-hats, uh, uh, hi-hats, hi-hats, 808s, <laughs> uh, things like that. But, yeah. Just lets you escape for the moment. It's It's very dystopian, very... Um, vaporwave. Okay. Like that's what I, I get the feeling like a vaporwave. Even like the album artwork is even like that as well. Okay. Is it like? <clears throat> it's like pink. Do you oh, want yeah. to show you a picture of it? I can show yeah. you a picture of it right now. I was gonna say is it like Bart Simpson dressed in like high beast clothing. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's it there. So it's like. Okay. Very, yeah, that is quite vaporwave. Yeah. Um, and his last album was like that too, just a little bit more yeah. um, blue because the theme of this album is pink um, which I'll get to in a minute but the concept of this album um, Virus which is Sire backwards that's his middle name Uh, Sire uh, Iris rather is this sort of he's the leader of the new world like Los Angeles has sort of turned to for whatever reason has turned to like rubble and it's just sort of like this new new coming of like new area yeah and People are looking for someone to, to lead them, and Iris is is that person. Okay. Um, you don't really... If, if I didn't tell you that, you wouldn't even really know. Like, <laughs> he doesn't make it super apparent, uh, so I don't really even put that against him, because, like I said, it's a trap album. Most trap albums don't have like this underlying theme. Yeah. Uh, and he didn't make it super obvious, so I think he sort of failed at that. Like That was like sort of his artistic like vision and he didn't really put it forward too much but 
yeah, you can't even really tell when Iris is on. Like, he raps in a deeper voice, but sometimes it just sounds like he's just doing that for effect. Yeah. Or he's doing it for purpose. So, I don't know, it's sort of lost on a lot of people. And, and yeah, I don't think it worked too well. But let's get into the reviewing of the actual album. So, the first four opening tracks, uh, much like the Sire album, started with the with letters so the last album was b-l-u-e spelling out blue um, yep so four it was like four songs in like one part sort of um and then on this album it's pink um and it's insane grand instrumental he's obviously spent a lot of money and obviously has a lot of backing and a lot of uh, money and he's just spent a lot and he's epic instrumentals like opening up so grand like it's like a movie scene like okay. you can just hear it um, I'm gonna play a little bit um, for you off off the first song of the album um, and it, it just opens up so grand like it, it comes in slow you see how it's just like yeah and then and then it progresses and then when we get to K it's just like slowly it's yeah, just slowly really building cool. it's like a really progressive it's very like I said it's epic it's grand it's like mm. it's like welcome to Iris yeah that's what it's like um, and we finally get that crescendo at the end of the album and Lido the producer for this album um, a good friend of Jaden Smith worked with Kanye West Tyler Creator um, a lot of artists um, did really well on this. He was even a writer um, on some of these songs, and he really set the tone for that um, for that four piece intro. And it really um, created a vibe. And that's when I was like, okay, this album could be something special. Um, and it eventually does let you down as you go further along. But there are some high points, low points. Mm. It's a trap album. Not everyone's gonna love it. All right. So obviously, I want to talk about. The elephant in the room. What would you say, Jaden Smith's? If you if you were like, oh, what's Jaden Smith's biggest like issue? Yeah, lyricism. You, what about it? Like it's it's like cringe. Yeah, it's like woke. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's still it's still <laughs> on this album. Can't deny that he he says true wealth is knowledge, which I mean, only yeah. rich people say that. <laughs> um, and I woke up tripping. It's not that bad, but in the in the scheme of things, I think he said yeah. something along the lines of, uh, what did he say? Um, she don't believe in aliens. I'll show her six million tons of limestone. I work up tripping or something along those lines. <laughs> but yeah, it was weird. But uh, I, I honestly think that there are some cringe lyrics on here. Um, like, Jaden, you could have literally said anything else except for <laughs> true wealth is knowledge. Like yeah. any other words could have gone there. But uh, yeah. It's just it is what it is, and the thing that makes it even cringier upon a like on another level um, is that he's being serious. Like, yeah. If you say it, if you say it like a joke, or just say it to yeah, like, to say it. I, I like like flat Earth jokes. Yeah. Like when you joke that the Earth is yeah, flat. Exactly. But like if you believe it, it's cringe. Yeah. Like if you say it with like with your chest, like then it's it's like okay. It adds an extra layer of cringe. Yeah, it does. Because, like, people sort of... Like, ASAP Rocky and Travis Scott and people like that, they can say, like, joke lines. Yeah. And it's just, like, a joke. Like, it's just, like... I'm going to put it out there. It's more about the, the, the flow and the melody yeah. and, and the beat. 
but this, unfortunately, <laughs> um, isn't like that. But yeah, if you want to get into like that trippy philosophical stuff, you either have to be like very good at conveying it or you have to sort of be half joking. You can still say yeah. it without joking, but he's saying it like past the, you can say it to say it, there's a joke, then he's like on the way on the other side. <laughs> um, and, and it's not it's not like it's every song. It's not like it's one every second line or something. It's yeah. not a cringy lyric, but like it adds up when there's like say six <laughs> on the whole album. You're yeah. gonna remember that more than you don't. You know what I mean? You always remember the bad things, unfortunately, uh, not the good things. Uh, features on this album were actually really good. Uh, Kid Cudi killed it. Still uh, hasn't missed a beat since Kid See Ghost dropped last year. Uh, well, Yay dropped actually first, and he was on that album. Um, he was good at um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine too he's actually he? a really good actor was he in there yeah oh there you go he has a cameo he was a, a dentist that killed someone oh <laughs> um, yeah trademark humming and that light singing and he, mm. he really um, makes that really song catchy it's called On My Own if anyone wanted to check that specific song out um, Tyler the Creator on Noise wasn't actually all that good I just wanted to touch over as a whole, the features were good. Tyler Creator was pretty mid. It was it sounded a bit uninspired and a bit like the old Tyler. It wasn't this new sort of new age Tyler that we guess we get. I sort of see, uh, I guess, but it, it wasn't bad. Yeah, like, I'm not gonna say it was um, terrible or anything. Um, Willow Smith was the best feature on this album. Jaden Smith's sister. Um, yeah. She had two songs. She was on P. She was on the opener of P, and she was. <laughs> like P double E. Oh no. P. <laughs> so she was on the opener of the pink epilogue on the P, and uh, what was her other song? Summertime in Paris, which uh, has gone down as this album's icon. I think a lot of people are really loving this song. Um, I could see this one going um, on the charts, on the billboards, pretty high up. It's a really good song, really catchy. And it actually is in the tune. I'm going to play it for us. It's in the tune of Miss Jackson by... Okay. Um, Outcast. Outcast, yeah. Sounds like a little peep song at the start. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it really does. I like that. When he says, summertime was meant to fall in love, I apologize yeah. a trillion times. <laughs> Sounds exactly like it. Um, yeah, that's a really good song. That's probably one of my favorites on the album. Um, really good. Willow Smith adds like this whole other layer that Jaden can't really provide with, not just because it's a, it's a female's voice, but she's a very talented singer and she yeah. really adds a, a, another um, a layer and has really good chemistry with Jaden, obviously. Um... And then I think we had one more, no, two more features on this thing. ASAP Rocky was on twice. He was on the Ghost remix, which that song came out over a year ago. Yeah, it came out a while ago with Christian. Yeah, Christian Rich. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So ASAP Rocky's on that, and he's on uh, Chateau, which it's it's a, it's a decent song. It's, it's not the best, not the worst on the album, um, but yeah, the the. And one thing I said on in my review was the one thing that really hindered Jaden and really exposed him even more for stealing ideas was the people that he is inspired by are on this album, Tyler Creator, ASAP Rocky and Kid Cudi are three of his biggest influences. And when they're on the track together, you can see that 
Jaden feels withdrawn. Yeah. Like, you can tell that he's not as good as them. Like, he doesn't have that charisma and he doesn't have that that talent to match. Like, when I reviewed Benny the Butcher the other week, um, when he had, like, some of the greatest rappers ever, Black Thought um, and Jadakiss, like, he was just, like, exuding confidence where I think Jaden doesn't quite have his charisma and when he's like, oh, that's Kid Cudi, I'm going to try and sing like Kid Cudi. But then when you have the real Kid Cudi on the yeah. actual track, it sounds much better. So it sort of, it creates this disparity that is, is hard for Jaden to overcome. But if he finds his own charisma and moves away from this wokeness, because that song that I just <laughs> played you didn't have any woke, not to my knowledge anyway, not any um, overtly obvious stuff. It was really good. Um, but yeah, he's, he plays second fiddle and I think he just needs to find his own charisma and his own... Wait, what is second fiddle? Like he's like first fiddle and then second fiddle. Like you're like the support act. Oh, okay, I see. So, uh, yeah, on the on the solo tracks, he commands the beat and he does really well. But then on other tracks, he's, he's not um, as much. So I think that's one of the issues um, that this album creates. And it just sort of adds to the fire that um, he doesn't really um, create his own sort of sound. Yeah. Um, the track I Got It was personally one of my favourites and I, I didn't hear any buzz online about it. It was it was just killer. It was only a minute and a half. If it was one minute longer, it would have been like one of the best <laughs> songs of the year. It was insane. Like The instrumental is insane and Jaden Smith in the, in the second half of the verse just absolutely goes insane. My favourite lyric is on the... He goes... It feels like Tetris, parking the whip. Man laughs so dark when the window's tint. Who's that chick with the supermodel lips? Yo, watch your mouth. That's my... And then he like bleeps out the word bitch. <laughs> I like that. That's a sick line. Yeah. And it's a sick... It's just a sick song. That's That song honestly blew me away. I, like, I'm literally like dancing. I'm like going <laughs> hard to that song. I'm going to play that one too. I'm playing all... I'm just going to play the whole album at this point. <laughs> Hang on. Where, what, what song was it again? Oh, got it. Here we go. Oh, it's produced by Take Keith too. Okay. Right? Yeah. Wait, it's obviously like a flex song. Yeah. That's a hard song right there. He's got a good voice. For yeah. Him. Yeah. Um, and then one thing, last thing, because I'm I'm wrapping up. Uh. Last, wrap it up, Dan. Yeah, wrap it up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the one thing that really bugged me the most, um, not the biting, not the some uninspired filler tracks, which every trap album is going to have. This album goes for over an hour, which is insane. Um, but it was the constant beat switch, beat switches in the middle portion of this album. Two songs in particular, Blackout um, and Pain, really really just sort of let me down he does in pain i think there's five beat switches five no blackout one of those two have like five beat switches no has like, like it's insane two is like yeah. the max yeah I think. there should insane. be any song with more than and two the beat one switches. thing that really annoyed me about those two songs was the first beat was the best <laughs> and like i was like legitimately like because like when i'm listening i don't really I just put it in my ears and I just have my phone like away or Yeah, whatever. so when it beat switches, you assume it's like the a next new song. song. Yeah, yeah so yeah, I'm just yeah. like, I look at it and I'm like, oh, I really like this song. Like, 
Blackout or whatever it is. Yeah, and then, next time you do and it. And then I, I'm like, wait, this song sounds different. Like, because then I'm like, oh, it's a beat switch. So usually each song I check it because if I like it, I'll like write it down or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, oh, this is a different song. What song is this? Oh, Blackout. Okay. And I'm like, okay, it's a beat switch. Whatever. Yeah. Then I did it that. again. I was like, what? <laughs> and he kept doing it. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was I was blown away. And I was actually really sad that the had that many beat switches and the first two beats of each song were just like thrown away basically like it yeah. honestly ruined the whole song <laughs> for me um it really worked well on the pink epilogue um just because it was meant to be like that and he did keep it to like one or two um per song yeah but it was the transition from p to i is insane like the song plays through so you don't even know oh yeah so that's it plays on both sides i like, then, like some that. a little bit on the start of i a beat switches so that's when you think the song starts but it's oh, a yeah. different part really good really well done um, yeah the constant beat switches ruined the middle portion of the album for me uh, again which features Sire uh, Iris sorry or Sire I don't even know at this point there's one where he features himself what? he just, just <laughs> yeah, features <laughs> so I don't even know by Sire featuring Iris no or like by, by Jaden Featuring Iris or featuring Sire. One so of is it just him all yeah. the way through? Yeah. So how do you know where the feature no, is? No, that's the one. No, so it must be an Iris because it's the deep voice one. So oh, you can tell, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it does, like changes up his cadence. A bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. Okay. Yeah, the album's not honestly bad. Like people are flaming it. Pitchfork gave it a four point. Pitchfork. Pitchfork <laughs> gave it a four point seven, which I actually think is pretty. Uh, like pretty. Uh, deserved score. I'm going to give it a six because personally for me, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, it really, like, I have like six songs I can take away from this, which for a trap album, like, I can't even do that from the Migos album or <laughs> something like that. So I really enjoyed this. And um, I think maybe because I do enjoy Tyler Craner and Brock Hampton, that yeah. this is just sort of like an offshoot of that. Um, but I don't. Um, I don't take away, I don't discredit because a lot of artists steal from from other artists, so I'm not gonna give well, them Well, if, if an artist didn't take anything from another artist, yeah, like they just sound bad, yeah. you're gonna take inspiration from yeah. somewhere. Exactly. Six out of ten, my favourite songs on the album was the epilogue Pink, On My Own, Chateau, and I Got It. Definitely. Okay. Uh, and Summertime in Paris, which I assume at this point may be on the Billboard Top 100. Maybe not. I'll have a look okay. while Rob's doing his review. But get into it. So, All right. what do you... Oh, wait, you want me to tell you how long it was? You want me to put it in the bracket now? Uh, no, I've, I've already done that. Oh, you already did it? For, I did it for um, Fantana's review a couple of days ago. Right. But I'll write down your score yeah. uh, when I'm editing this. Okay, yep. Um, so, yeah, I did... Revenge of the Dreamers 3 yep. by Dreamville. Uh, I want to preface this by saying that I have pretty high expectations for this. One thing I didn't like about this album was they put all the features in the thing. Wait, which album? That one there. Oh, Revenge of the yeah. Dreamers. Like, it says, well, like, featuring this guy, this guy, this guy. Like, no, no, the way they did it someone. on... Um, I, I don't know about Spotify. I was only looking at, like, the Genius page. But the way they did it on Genius was that it was by Dreamville and then whatever artists are signed to Dreamville featuring artists that aren't signed to Dreamville. Oh yeah, they didn't do that on Spotify. Okay. They did like, say, it'd be like by Dreamville 
and then featuring Jake Oh Jid yeah blah 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 okay yeah. Because there's a, a fuckload of people. Yeah, exactly. Well, I suppose that's sort of how they would have to do it. Oh, no, because some songs have, like, this person and this person. Yeah. On Spotify. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, there were a lot of features on this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I have very high expectations for this. I'm expecting some, like, sort of A-class lyricism mm-hmm. uh, and wordplay. And the majority of the songs are very good. Uh, so when I say something like there's nothing special here I mean it's nothing special for these guys like looking at it from a base level it is good and like I am bobbing up and down in the seat for the majority of the tracks so unless I say specifically that a track is bad just assume that it's good okay Um, but this thing is huge 18 tracks an hour and four minutes uh, the first track starts out with a dope sample and then J. Cole comes in first. It's like some sort of, um, like a, like gospel singing. Okay. And then at the end of a word, it's sort of like, I don't know what you call it when like a record like breaks, it's talking and then it's just, oh, yeah, and yeah. then the beat comes in and J. Cole comes in and so yeah, that sounded pretty cool. Um. It wasn't anything stunning, to be honest, until the last couple of lines, and it, it had me, sh- like, sniffing farts. This shit was stanky. Right. How many bullets your dog catch and sword off, raw dog fashion, hold off, hope God catch him, damn. That's hard. That is pretty good. Uh, Kendrick Lamar had the chorus, and honestly, it was pretty lackluster. I was expecting a lot more. When I saw Kendrick Lamar, I was like, okay, this is going to be good, but it, it wasn't. I, I was pretty disappointed. Uh, in that uh, is it Lute like L-U-T-E yeah Lute yeah Lute I thought it was his verse was okay there wasn't like anything sort of breathtaking uh, and the same goes for for Baby's verse um, how would I say that like is it the same for the Baby's verse no you would just say for Babies. That's weird. I don't like him. Because you wouldn't say for the M&M's there. <laughs> okay, that's fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really like to baby. Yeah, he's a bit weird. Yeah. Um, his first line, though, was actually pretty good. Uh, I just put diamonds... Yeah, yeah, I just put diamonds on all of my teeth. Now they probably think I ain't intelligent. Which I think is a pretty um, observational li- line. Observational. Um, down bad has a really really cool beat. Um, I noticed I haven't written this down, but a lot of the beats throughout, you can sort of describe as like trap drums with some weird noise as like the melody, like usually high pitched, um, but like a little sort of like one one noise every like sort of every line, and that was the melody. There were quite a few tracks like that. There were some sort of like some exceptions, but that was the majority of the tracks. Um, but yeah, down bad it has a really dope beat. Um, I actually compared it to uh, "Jump Around" by House of Pain. Okay. You know that little like high pitched thing. It's very similar to that. Yeah. Um, but it's like a lot more modernized. Um, the rappers again though they weren't really anything special. But 
Like, they were good. Their flows were catchy, they're rapid fast, they have a good amount of energy, but I was hoping for a lot more content-wise. So far, it's just about how good they all are. Lambo truck, though. That's what I'm looking for. That shit is fucking hilarious. <laughs> have you heard it? No, I Okay, think good. So. I was really hoping you hadn't. Uh, Childish Major is on the chorus, and he's pretty trash, to be honest. Right. Um, I'm, I'm going to play the chorus of that but the verses definitely make up for the lackluster chorus this is the chorus like this is how it's played in the middle of the song yeah. so like the rappers are just rapping like normally like this and it's what's those and it, it is it does take you out of the song but yeah the chorus is well, the verses definitely make up for it. Um, so there's Coz, who is signed to Dreamville, and then Reason, who's signed to TDE. Right. Uh, they are complaining that although they're well-known, they're still not rich. Uh, looking great, but feeling bummy. I just ate, but I'm still hungry, is uh, a line. Uh, and Coz, look, I done been broke too long. Neighbours' bills too long. Can't hide that. They also make complaints about their record labels. Uh, I'm a hit reason and see what he think about how he been treated at TDE. And I think that's so funny considering it's like on a record label's album. Yeah. They're complaining about their record label. Um, that's a smart move. But then they start scheming on ways that they can get more money. Um, like cop some things but I ain't fed. Dreams alive, my wallet dead. Pocket's been bleeding. I've got a reason to commit treason. So do you know what they're sort of thinking at this point? Like what their plan is to get more money? Especially with the, I've got a reason to commit treason. Yeah, they're going to do some shit. They're going to make like a collab record or something. Okay. What do you think? Well, <laughs> I've heard it. So. Oh, they, there's like... A, yeah, yeah, they, they explain oh, what they're going to oh, do. Oh, okay, sure, sure. The next few lyrics that... Right. Which to explain are by far my favourites of the year. Cole just pulled up in a Lamborghini truck on the homies and God, we should rob that neighbour. <laughs> like, who does that? Who goes on to an album that their boss is putting together and says, no, I'm going to rob my boss? They're savages. <laughs> they then jump on a verse together and describe how they're going to rob him. They say they're going to tie him up in his own Lamborghini truck and let the Glock squeeze up. <laughs> uh, they also uploaded a video to Instagram of J. Cole's reaction to hearing it for the first time. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Like, his eyes are like, what shit? And they're just laughing. I'm like, look at his face. It's so fucking funny. Uh, the track also has very, like, several very clever pieces of wordplay. Uh, schoolboy just dropped, give me the cue. Like, schoolboy cue. Uh, and we can turn this thing into a fable and take what I can if I'm able. Maybe. But he says can like cane. Yeah. So, like, cane and able. Yeah. Which is from a fable. Uh, I think that's really, really clever. Uh, Swivel is up next. It's only Earth Gang on the track. <coughs> And it's about keeping your head on a swivel. So the duo are now paranoid that they're famous. They think people are always following them. 
uh, wanting them dead. I don't really have too much to say about the duo. Like, you know, they're great. Their voices and the melodies they choose sound so good together. I love... I'm going to try and, like, remember the melody for the song. But he's like, um... Gotta keep your head on a swivel. And it sounds really, really cool. Like, you know how... Um, I think it's it's Johnny Vegas on the chorus. Right. And you know how he's got kind of like a very raspy voice. Yeah. It sounds really, really good. Uh, oh Wow Slash Swerve is up next. I was a huge fan of the first half. Uh, Zoink Gang had the chorus. He oh, reminds... Boot Gang. That's what the... <laughs> what, what has happened to Boot Gang? I don't know where Boot Gang went. Where is he? Ever since he's like... He fainted on um, or passed out on the No Jumper podcast. I haven't heard anything from him. Good. <laughs> I am. Um, I literally. I've been googling him recently, looking for updates, and it's only him fainting on or passing out. I keep saying fainting, passing out on the No Jumper podcast. That's the only thing coming up. I know his Instagram got deleted because he posted like him getting a blowjob. <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, Zoink Gang had the, the chorus. That also reminds me of Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Zoinks? Oh, uh, yeah. Or is it Zoinkies? I think it's both, to be honest. Zoinkies. Winkies. Yeah, I think it's Zoinks and then Winkies. I don't know. Winkies. <laughs> Wait, what did you say? Jinkies? Jinkies, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, he had, uh, we heard Zoink Gang's chorus twice, and then J. Cole had one verse. He did have some pretty cool lyrics. Uh, my favourite was, uh, Hell was a fabricated figment of imagination. I don't seem worse for real right here off Yadkin and behind the gas station. But the second herb, second herb, second half, Swerve, had Key on the chorus and then Maxo Cream with the verse. And Maxo went off. Go, go, gadget, toting ratchets, beam attachment on the side. Keep a... I keep a savage that'll blast at my crash dummies down to ride. Uh, don't hit me right now has ba- uh, Baz, Coz, Buddy, Young Baby Tate, and Guap Dad 4000. Just basically telling thoughts not to hit them up for a booty call because they're busy, most likely getting racks. Sure. Uh, it's not the best song I've ever heard. Guap Dad has an amazing voice though, and he just killed the chorus. And then next to that, I think the best part of the track was uh, Baz. I wear the sheepskin, but I'm the wolf. I'm the poster child for finesse and the lion. Poser- okay, I'm going to start that again. It's very hard. I wear, the- <clears throat> I wear the sheepskin, but I am the wolf. I am the poster child, finesse and the lion that's posing and clothing and lion and hoping. Fuck, I still fucked it up. I wear the sheepskin, but I am the wolf. I'm the poster child for Ness and the lion that's posing in clothing and lion and to open it. Hope that these neighbours will try him. That was, that's very difficult. There you go. Uh, Wells Fargo is the next track. And apparently it was going to be left off the album and it was just sort of like chucked in last minute. Uh, it has Gop Dad 4000, Buddy, Earth Gang and Jid rapping as fast as they can. Not really about too much. But the chorus is hilarious. It sounds like a musical of Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay, that sounds odd. Like, um, it's just all of them, like, sort of drunkenly yelling. Get my gun, we about to rob a Wells Fargo. Got some broads, we need to get a whole car load. With my dogs, we pull up looking like a car show. Smoke a blunt, then she got me off my narcos. Okay, that's 
that's pretty hard. So yeah, it's just about them sort of saying they're going to rob a bank. Sure. Um, so yeah, it's not really about too much, but I love that it's just a heap of people having fun, and it feels really cool to like singing along. And the intro of it as well, it's you can tell that they're just like joking around and having some fun. They say shit like it's like a very high class British accent. They're like, "Is that my flamethrower beside you? Why it is? Please, sir, pass it this way." Please hand me the bazooka. And, yeah, so it's not like a meme, but it's just them being silly. Yeah. Uh, Sleep Deprived has uh, Loot, Mez, and Omen on the verses, and then uh, Davion on the chorus. It depicts younger versions of themselves putting in work, striving hard, and being deprived of sleep while chasing the dream that they now live. The lyricism on this track was great. I could quote so many lines, but I'll just go with my favourite, which belongs to Omen. Seen you with some other guy, long story, summer rise, writing on the wall, got your message, underlined, I've been getting high, summer crime, ever since, wonder why, ill intent, was inside your skin, damn. Damn. Um, a lot of the artists in here actually end their verse on damn. Uh, Self Love has Ari Lennox, Baz and Baby Rose. And this track is about a couple of things. Ari and Rose say that they're tired of being expected to act a certain way, dress a certain way, talk a certain way. So they're just saying, no, fuck that. Love yourself. That's what's important. And, like, how great is Ari Lennox as a singer? She's pretty good. She has an amazing voice. Like, take Ari Lennox and transform, like, make her more mature into, like, a a 60-year-old kind of, like... Why? Yeah. Okay. It's a very... I don't know. It's a weird voice, but it's so good. Um, Bazza brings in, like, another point of view that his music has forced him and his significant other apart. So they now have to split and focus on loving themselves for a bit. And I love how he ends his verse. As soon as we clash, you adjudicate. As for the date that was last June or May, we were like, let's do the break. That's and the way, right. like... How the fuck does he rhyme adjudicate? And like he rhymes it all the way through the word. It's not just like adjudicate. Um, I don't know. I like to bake. <laughs> right. I thought of a rhyme, but it did like rhyme all the way through. It was poop and bake. <laughs> but um, yeah, he just like rhymes it all the way through the word and the way he like softly lays down rhyme after rhyme after rhyme in the smooth soft voice of his is like not only relaxing but impressive uh ladies 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 which is a twist on girls 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 it has jid and ti collaborating for the first time and reminiscing about past relationships jid goes through each relationship one by one and although that doesn't sound super interesting the wordplay woven into every line is amazing. Uh, steady hands never let her count the bands, though she fucked me trying to pluck a couple bands like a banjo. Had a girl that was an artist, she could draw, her name was Tracy. She always had a line, making lo- make a Mona Lisa faces, and we argue all the time, but we fuck like crazy. She said her favourite thing is face painting, and did like a little laugh. So he mentions gold diggers. The artist chick, Tracy, which sounds like tracing, which is what artists do. Right. I thought that was really clever. Um, and you can never tell, like, what she was thinking, you know, with, like, the Mona Lisa face. And she loved getting facials. Yeah. That was the face painting thing. Yeah. Uh, Costa Rica is up next. 
It has a shitload of people on it. Mez, Buddy, Jace, Jid, Reese LaFlair, Ski Master Slump God, Smoke Perp, and Guap Dad 4000. But it was pretty bad. Uh, it was just them rapping about their wealth, which is okay because the majority of them did it quickly with like rhyme heavy verses. But just because there were so many of them, they like only got eight lines each. Uh, they didn't all need to be on one song together. I'd much rather have like two songs with these guys and get 16 lines from each of them. Uh, every time someone new came in, they just have to like work to build the momentum back up again. And Guap Dad had the chorus, which I thought would be good, but he was really heavily auto-tuned and it didn't sound good, like especially since we all know he doesn't need it. Uh, 1993 had Buddy, Coz, Earth Gang, Jid, J. Cole, and Samino on it. And it was just all the rappers trying to rap while Buddy just kept interrupting them. Like, after a couple of lines of saying shit like, hey, 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 hold on, hold on. Stop rapping, start passing. Like, referring to smoking. Yeah. But then the next person would come on. So it was kind of like the mic was the blunt. Yeah. Which I thought was pretty cool. Um, and then after J. Cole's verse, he says... He done gruesome dreads. He think he can smoke now. Yeah, because J. Cole never used to have dreads. So I thought yeah. that was pretty funny. Yeah. Just being a little, little goose to gaster. Rembrandt, run it back with Vince Staples, Jid and J. Cole, as well as the following track, Sunset, with J. Cole and Young Nutty, were both fairly uninteresting. Um, flows used throughout these tracks were just like, shit talk, slick talk, pissed off, stick talk, diss track, get mad. And, like, more often than not, there were some little, like, flow switch-ups every now and then. But that's what the main sort of flow was for two songs in a row. The content is pretty decent, but I was just... Like, hearing that for two tracks is very boring. Uh, Got Me switched it up. It has Ari Lennox, Omen, Ty Dolla Sign, and Dreezy. Uh, Dreezy killed it. I hadn't heard her before, but apparently she released an album, like, just as 2019 opened, and I wish I reviewed it. She's okay, really, really talented. Uh, Middle Child is up next. We've all heard that one. PTSD is the one after that. That has Omen, Mareba, Deontay, Hitchcock, and Saint Beauty. They all come together and just share times that were easier. Mareba has a beautiful voice. She is the most surprising on the album and definitely deserves more recognition than what she has. But Deontay, like... A slave to the feeling, I'm breaking the chains, trying to balance out the joy, the pain, the sun, the rain, my life and the fame, that lost the game, the gift, the shame, my skin, my veins, my soul done raised, so much of the heart, don't really know how to start. And then he ends the verse with, helping you with your vices, can't seem to get a grip on my own life, which is really cool. Our omen as well was amazing, telling the story of his sister. My sister was homeless, don't visit her often. Been years since we talked, number changed. Saw you and my heart broke in a couple of ways. Can't believe when I seen you, I knew shit was true. Stared in your eyes and I saw a different I saw a different you. Skated off fast before I could address it. Hope I run into you before we both get to heaven. Like I legitimately paused the music at this point and just like let those couple of sentences sink in. So like he hasn't seen his sister in a couple of years, just by chance bumped into her. And could just see in her eyes that she'd like gone through a heap of shit and then she just left. Yeah. And was like, I hope I can see you again before one of us dies. Yeah. Like that's that's really heavy. Um the last track is fucking huge. It's called Sacrifices, it's like six and a half minutes long. 
It's got Earth Gang, J. Cole, Smino, and my best mate, Saba, in it. Sabs. Uh, all the rappers look back and outline the sacrifices they've had to make to get to where they are. Uh, Johnny Vegas has the chorus, and it is amazing. He's singing it, and really well. No, I won't sing it just because I can't. But he says, I make sacrifices, bloody sacrifices, cutthroat, rabbit's toe, I suppose, maybe that's what life is. And it's got such a great melody on the intro and his verse. And then on his second verse, he has a similar flow to those two tracks I mentioned before, like the slump in the album, uh, where it's just like, you know, two two words per line over yeah. and over again. It's similar to that. He says, um, like, caveman, two drink, cave in, two blunt, ease up, booyah, leave up, who care, who dare, do that, wake up. You sound like chilling. That's what that sounded like. But every two words, he like switches ears. Yeah. So like it was like panning from left to right with that, and it sounded really really cool. Um, It was like a a different vibe to the track, so it kind of took you away a little bit. But I I still liked it, and it was only one verse. Uh, Saba pulled something amazing too. Like I had the lyrics in front of me, then he started rapping fast and really rhyme heavy. And I didn't know where I was meant to be looking anymore. Like, I lost where I was reading up to. He says, um, I put my heart and my all and my art. I'm alternate. All of them are the same. It's harder to tell them apart. Some days I thought I'd call them out altogether rather than race the amount of bars it would take for me to call them out all by name. It was, like, really impressive. I'm a little bit sick in Australian, so it doesn't sound as good. But it sounded really, really good. Uh, honestly, in this track and the majority of the album... J. Cole has been the weakest part. And that is huge praise to everyone else because J. Cole hasn't, hasn't fallen off at all. He's his regular self on this album. Uh, there was a comment on the Genius page that I think perfectly explains this track. You could just hear the unity behind making this. Yeah. Uh, this whole album was like really, really good. I didn't really know what to expect coming into it. I knew that there would be uh, good lyricism. I knew there would be good wordplay. But I didn't know how the whole of Dreamville coming together would sound. Uh, but it ended on such a good note. And for J. Cole to be consistently the weakest leak throughout the album is big words. So I'm rating it an 8.5 out of 10. My favourite songs are Lambo Truck, PTSD, but then by a long fucking mile is Sacrifices. And the worst song is Costa Rica. There you go, Costa Rica. Yep. It's a damn shame, Costa Rica. <laughs> disrespecting the whole country there <laughs> alright so I'm going to do my Discord dive right now so we're going to jump into it uh, yep. I'm going to do uh, The Weekend uh, <clears throat> so for his first three mixtapes um, House of Balloons which Rob reviewed uh, yep. Thursday and Echoes of Silence I'm just going to put them all as one as what they are on Spotify which is uh, Trilogy so I'm just going to do it like that Obviously, it's quite a fitting name if you ask me. There's three albums and three mixtapes, and it's a trilogy. Yep. Trilogy Um, means three. Yes. Do you want a top up? No, I'm all good, mate. I'll get another one. Um, Each of the mixtapes consists of 10 tracks, making it 30 in total, so it is quite a big listen, but. If you do guys want to break it down, you can just listen to the individual mixtapes, uh, which would be just the first 10, or well, 10 at a time, um, which is what Rob did, and um, 
He really enjoyed it. I did. Um, and it's crazy how young the weekend was on here. He was as young as 20, 21. Yeah, and it's um, such like mature music. Yeah, it is. It's very um, dark and brooding. Uh, and we, we get a lot of emotion from the weekend, which we see uh, later on um, in his more recent projects. But this is where he's his darkest. And a lot of fans, including myself, wish that he would go back to this sound. Uh, I think he's really evolved well and, and he's a much more well-rounded artist than he was um, back here. This is very one-dimensional, very um, drug-fueled. Yeah. Um, just sort of like laying all his emotions out and sort of a very negative outlook on life, which he probably had at the time. But I think that the, the tracks like Glass Table Girls, Loft Music and Initiation... Um, every once in a while on a newer album I think would really bring back the older fans and introduce his newer fans to a, a more authentic Abel I think the whole the whole theme of this and the whole vibe of this is like a drug fueled sex addict that, that's addicted to all the bad things sort of in his life like women drugs he does talk about sex addiction a lot yeah exactly. he's, he's a bit of a raunchy fella yeah exactly and I think he sort of, in this album, he just doesn't want to break that cycle. Like, he's, like, addicted to that lifestyle, which I think is is bad for him. But uh, it, it obviously really makes really great music. And songs like EXO, The Host, High For This, 28, and the iconic and fire starter for, for his whole career, basically, Wicked Games, yeah, um, really highlight this. He's, he's really aware of the issues that he's going through, and he's just showing them to us. The, the, real, the realness that we get... Um, and the, the connectedness is really what allows audiences to immerse in The weekend's music. And I think that that's really how he, he gets the, the majority of his fans. He really shows us what he's going through and, and uncenses it. He just sort of lets it out there. Yeah. Um, and you just sort of take it how you want. Uh, I think the, this is what caused the divide in his, in his fans. Like some people wanted the uncensored and some people wanted like the pop. Yeah. sort of heavy side so a lot of fans are happy with his movie soundtracks like for um, Game of Thrones and um, that was really good Fifty Shades things like that the more pop pop songs and some are more content with the older stuff which either well, way he's going to have fans divided so yeah I, I think yeah way. every artist has fans yeah. like that but I have listened to like sort of both sides, like the pop side and the darker sort of shit, yeah. and I enjoy both of them. Uh, the reason I enjoy the more pop stuff is just because he's a very talented singer and it yeah. sounds good. Yeah. But I really like his. I think I prefer his older stuff, like the very sort of drug fueled, you know, like sex heavy orientated sort of stuff. Yeah. Just because it's so dark and content heavy. Yeah. And it's so like meaningful. Yeah. But yeah, his more poppy stuff. He sort of he concentrates more on melodies and making it sound good. So both are good. Yeah. But yeah, so I just wanted to yeah interject with a fan that likes both. Uh, either way, this is a fantastic collection of mixtapes. Trilogy definitely my favorite um, of his albums. Um, and if I had to rank the three, I'll probably do House of Balloons, Echoes of Silence, and then Thursday. Um, do you know where the House of Balloons house is? Yeah, it's in. Uh, Toronto somewhere. Yeah, 65 Spencer Street. There you go. <laughs> um, I strongly suggest this to um, all fans of uh, hip-hop, R&B, blends. That's what the majority of this album is. Um, and yeah. I only have seven songs to choose from for my list here. So 
I am going to go with um, initiation and loft music. Loft music is good. Yes. And is that the one uh, where he mentions like the the seven oh seven table? Um, or the is it seven oh seven or seven three seven? I'm not sure. It's whatever the fuck that Boeing plane is. I think that might be Glass Table Girls. Oh yeah, it is. That's, that's yeah. yeah, that's a good track. Yeah. Uh, okay. Now we're moving on to Kissland. This is the weekend album that I'm actually least informed of. It's the one I've listened to the least. Um, I think it is his worst work, um, his least inspired work, especially coming from um, Trilogy, a really fantastic mix of the R&B um, and hip-hop, creating that really dark vibe. Um, but some fans really love this album. Songs like Adaptation, um, Tears in the Rain, or Tears in the Sky, one of those. <laughs> um, and Live For with Drake, a lot of people really like. Um, but to me, this album lacked a lot of what made the trilogy mixtape so good. The atmosphere that they will create uh, is, is one that hot, is one of the highlights from trilogy. Uh, the way the track consumes you, it's like you're in a dark room and it just sort of like goes, sweeps over you and you just feel everything. You feel all the emotion and you feel like you're getting closed in and you're suffering with Abel. But on this album, it doesn't feel like that. I, I like some of the tracks, like I said before, adap, adap, Adaption, I always call it Adaptation. Adaption um, and Live For, they, they sort of create this atmosphere, but it, it's not as good. And um, like it doesn't set that inescapable mood that you can't really, you're, you're sort of like in a trance. Uh, another thing that this album lacks is the, the catchy hooks. That's one of the really big things that really made The Weeknd famous, and he's even famous for um, posts with songs like The Hills um, and Starboy. The, this album seems hook-averse. Like, he's purposely not trying to write catchy hooks for some for whatever reason. I don't know why. <laughs> but he just is. There's only a few songs on here that made me want to go back. Like, it's not a bad um, album, but it just isn't up to the standard that I was hoping for, and it just felt uninspired to me. And The Weeknd still felt like he was still finding his way and, and it comes later on that he 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 didn't want to go this direction and he wanted to move more towards pop and sort of dance music yeah. but yeah I don't know this was sort of like this weird in between area but we did get our first uh, feature with Drake on a weekend album so that's big because he comes back um, no way he hasn't even done a feature yet again that's his only feature I think if I'm not mistaken yeah, that's his he's, only feature. He's good friends with Drake, though. Yeah. Drake offered to sign him to... Uh, XO, yeah. No, to OVO. Oh, to OVO. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's a really weird album. And one thing that's really good about this album is he's got a lot of money now. And he had a lot of uh, money to sort of open up the samples. And he got some really expensive samples and some really sought-after samples. Um, but again he just sort of squandered them a little bit not a great album I'm not even going to pick a song from this album um, the best songs on this album sounded like they should have went on Trilogy and yeah. they were like worst versions of Trilogy songs so <laughs> definitely something that um, to me is a miss but to some people like I said before really enjoy this album then we have the album the, al- the, 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 album. the one that he just sort of blew up from Beauty Behind the Madness yep songs on this are just Ridiculous. Uh, the Hills. 
Like that's one of my favorites. The Hills, Can't Feel My Face. Yeah, ridiculous songs. I still sing that one when I like go to the dentist. Can't feel my face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, how much longer along are we? Like, when, how long ago was that released? Ah, uh, like three. No. No, it was longer than that. Like five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Weird. You're a weird guy. But uh, <laughs> I think the. Uh, the consensus of this album was that it was closer to Trilogy than it was to Kissland, which was a sigh of relief. Like, a lot of people yeah. were really liking that. Songs like um, Tell Your Friends, which Kanye um, was a part of, Often, The Hills, um, and Acquainted, and In The Night were all very reminiscent of the old Abel, very dark, melodic, uh, moody, that, that had earworm melodies. Like, The Hills is, like, one of the most iconic tracks yeah. of, the, of the 2010s. Everyone knows that. Yeah, just like, I'm going to play it right now. But like, just the very first sound that you hear, you know what it is as soon as you hear it. Yeah. Like, you know that straight away. Yeah. It's it's legitimately one of the most iconic songs of the 2010s. Yeah. And not only is it really, really good, but like, the the production behind it, like, um, I know people who like, yeah, into like more bass. Yeah. They like you know, they have subwoofers and stuff. This is their go to song to like test yeah. new equipment or whatever. Yeah, the song got beat to death it did. Um, in the radio, but yeah. I mean it's it it's was still for good a though. reason. It was for it a did, reason, yeah. It got like played a lot, but somehow it's still not overplayed. Yeah. Like a lot of songs that are on the radio get overplayed, but this one just didn't I don't know why. Yeah. But yeah. Um then we came to like the pop music with Earned It, Can't Feel My Face, and, and haters are going to come for that because if you come up doing one thing and then you go pop, it, it seems like you sold out. And I think Abel had to go through a lot of that, but his core fans knew that that was just part of the evolution and the best of the weekend was still yet to come. Um, and this is where he sort of felt like he was doing a victory lap. Like I remember reading that after this album came out, or sometime after this album, before Starboy, he was earning like $55 million a year. That's a lot. From before he was homeless, um, like in the trilogy era. Yeah. Which is, which is ridiculous. Like, this is just a legitimate victory lap. Like, he's just like, yeah, this is like what I do now. Yeah. Like, I'm going to make pop songs. I'm going to make whatever. I'm going to just make money. Yeah. Um, and this was just really his claim to fame. And even though he doesn't um, rap as much about drugs and women... He still has that swagger that his 20-year-old self had on tracks like um, Tell Your Friends, The Hills, uh, off, especially Often. That one's heavy vibe right there. Uh, and same <laughs> with Acquainted. But I got two songs from this one, so we're up to four. I got The Hills and Tell Your Friends. Nice. Then we've got Starboy. <clears throat> My yep. favourite of the albums. Okay. Um, not a popular... Well, Trilogy is, sorry. And then... Okay, yeah. So yeah. next, it's sort of like a... If you come second place, you basically came first place. Because first place is too far too far ahead. It's unachievable. <laughs> That's fair enough. Um, this is where he was always going to be in a tough situation because now he's sort of split his fan base directly in half. They want to sort of hear him do Earned It and Can't Feel My Face or they want to hear him do um, Wicked Games yeah. and Tell Your Friends or The Hills. And it's really hard to sort of create that. And when you look at his career arc... You could tell, oh, he's probably going to do something different. Yeah. And then when this one came out, I was just like, that wasn't what I was expecting. <laughs> this is like a disco album. Yeah. Like, I didn't know what, like, it's like a dance 
there is obviously some tracks um, like Six Feet Under, Reminder, um, Starboy, which sort of does give um, disco vibes. Really well done by um, Daft Punk um, on a few of the songs too. But this is one of the albums that I still listen to now, probably the most out of them, except for um, Trilogy. And I wish I could go back the first time and hear Party Monster again. Like that That's beat is just insane. Banger. Yeah. Um, and or the first verse on Reminder, like it's just, uh, or the flow rather on Reminder, like it's just crazy when he's like, and she got low mate. Like oh, it's so <laughs> cold, man. Uh, and this was a really impressive pivot away completely from one thing to the next. So I really liked. He still had um, radio hits on this album. Um, and then obviously the the mega hit off this album was Starboy. Yeah, like that was almost played as much as The Hills, and it's still one of the better songs. I think it's still played. Yeah, uh, I really like the experimentation that he showed on some tracks like Rockin', Party Monster, False Alarm, um, Die for You, um, Ordinary Life. Like I really like all those songs, and it's really interesting to see the the progression that The Weeknd made and he can still continue to make really great songs. Even songs like Sidewalk, Six Feet Under, Reminder and Secrets are all that broody, moody, sort of dark R&B, nocturnal vibe. Um, But yeah, really great album. One that I definitely recommend if you want to find a balance um, between a lot of The Weeknd's stuff. This is where he really shows it. And I got... This album brought me a lot of joy and I'm really... um, Great for another feather in the cap for Abel. He can Ooh. say he's done this and he's done that and now he's done a disco album. Really crazy experimental stuff and two songs from this one are Six Feet Under and Starboy. Now we finally get to his latest album, My Dear Melancholy. Uh, came out very close to the time he, he broke up with Selena Gomez. Yeah. Um, and a lot of this seems to be aimed at her, not, not in a malicious way, but... Like he's sort of talking about her and talking about their breakup, um, especially on the songs Call Out My Name, yeah. Wasted Times, and um, Try Me. Um, I really like this. It is relatively short. I think it's 21 minutes, six tracks. So uh, this album is much more clearly focused and it's, it's very um, derived down, um, whittled down to like one idea. And I really enjoy just the overall vibe of this album and it's really digestible you can chuck it on where the rest of the other weekend albums are like all over an hour so they're very tough to listen through like in a car ride you have to sort of if you want to listen to all of them skip songs or stuff like that Um, there isn't as many sexual talk or drug references on this as the older tapes but he still creates the same sad and lonely vibe which I think is good because he can do the same things but with different content which is always really nice to see it features a lot of help from Gustav Stein, the, the French music producer slash yep. DJ. He's very good. He works with uh, Childish Gambino a lot, doesn't he? Yeah, he's yeah. worked with Kanye, with Tyler the Creator, ASAP Rocky. He's worked with a lot of people. Yeah. Very uh, talented. Yeah. Uh, Pharrell, Daft Punk, um, I wrote here too. Um, I felt like those tracks were the most um, ambient setting-wise. They were very um, immersive and you could feel like, yeah. the weight of the song. Um, and... Yeah, Abel came in and, and The Weeknd came in and built like a whole other layer on top of it. So it was like a... It was just like this really immersive world that you could get in for those two songs that he was in. I'm very excited for the next couple of months because The Weeknd has turned off um, all his social media, deleted all his posts, and he does that usually when an album's coming out shortly. So hopefully um, one's coming out. We can only speculate 
Um, I wish this album, however, was a touch longer. Um, and I'm really just looking forward to what he can bring um, in the future because I don't know where he's going to go to from here. Is he going to go more down this My Dear Melancholy? Is he going to stick to Starboy? Because uh, My Dear Melancholy was only an EP, so it might just have been like a little project to throw out. Mm. So I don't know, but that's what it is. Um, so my final list of seven songs is Initiation, Loft Music, Tell Your Friends, The Hills, Six Feet Under, Starboy, and wasted times. That's definitely a good list. There you go. Did you have to like? How many songs did you have to cut from that list? I don't know. There's like, it was like hard. Yeah, there's like ninety songs to choose from. Yeah. So it's hard to definitely get that down, but yeah, I did it. So, so, <laughs> so go listen to those seven. That's a very solid seven. I've got some facts about the man. All right. It's very hard to find some things out about him. He loves to stay private and has only done very few interviews. Like, I think it's only been, like, two interviews. There you go. Like, I, I could be wrong, but the first one that he ever did was in 2017. So, only two years ago. There you go. It was his first. And when did he start, like, gaining popularity? Uh, like, 2014 or something? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, three years in mainstream media and never done an interview. Uh, so yeah, it was very difficult to find things out about him. Uh, so I only have three. His name comes from an event in his life. At 17, he dropped out of school and just upped and left with a friend, never to come home. Yeah, and on the weekend or yeah, something. Yeah, on the it? weekend. Yeah. And there's no E in the last bit because there's already a Canadian band called The Weekend. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he doesn't know all of his lyrics. Sometimes when he's in the studio, if he forgets the lyric... He just sings gibberish for a while. Yeah. So if you can't really understand what he's saying, that's okay because he's not <laughs> he's not saying not anything. Saying <laughs> and then before every concert, he will chuck on a pair of headphones and blast "Off the Wall" by Michael Jackson. There you go. It's his favorite song of all time. So he'll play that before, like just before going out on stage. Then he feels confident. There you go. What a wild man. What a wild boy. And then I also have a fact that's not to do with the weekend. Sure. We're in the gate. <laughs> what did I just say? We are in the golden age of dinosaur discovery right now. Yeah. We're discovering about like one new species a week. There you go. Uh, the, the old velociraptor. That is one of them. <laughs> but that was just covered a while ago, I think. All right, so. Let's move on to our last segment. We've only got one to go. Yeah. Um, We've got the. Old rap song of the year. Yeah. Yeah. All right, right, so what are you... Well, which one do you want to do first? Um, I didn't actually even write anything down this week for these two. I, Ooh, um, I did. Yeah, so I'll let you take the majority. I'm just going to more speak of, of the feel of them. Yeah, um, okay. And the message was definitely far superior. Oh, yeah. Um, quite easily. I think this is this was the point where we finally, like, rap gained a gained a conscience yeah. and we really started to see, like, it the... stepped up the level. Yeah, yeah, and, like, now we're starting to see, like the stuff even now with like J. Cole and Kendrick yeah. Lamar like they're definitely um, using stuff from that but yeah um, I thought it was a really good message yeah. the message obviously yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah I thought it was really enjoyable uh, really enjoyable listen and yeah definitely the best we've heard so far yeah uh, without a doubt it's, yeah. it's miles ahead yeah um, of anything else but yeah the other song I wasn't really feeling too much again 
Yeah, well, the other song... Um, I don't even remember Cash what it was money. called. Yeah, that was yeah, it, Making Cash Money. Busy B. Yeah, Busy B, that's it. <laughs> um, yeah, it was... That one was pretty much just about, like, the beat as well. Yeah. Like, it was much more heavily orientated towards... Like, um, the older stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it had a, a much more, like, bigger focus on money. Yeah. Uh, which I don't think we've actually had yet, but... um, Not, not as much as that one song is. Yeah. Like, we had... um. Like a few lines. Here yeah, a few yeah. lines here or there in the Sugar Hill Gang. And, um, yeah. But um, yeah, it, it was very close to the, the previous song. So it's just more just sort of disco. Yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, the message is just like... It's just miles ahead. Yeah. Grandmaster Flash and it's the, and the Furious got, Five. Yeah, it's actually got like lyricism. Yeah. Like it's not just talking about having a good night. It's something that matters. Um, so I'll, I'll go through with what I've written and if you yeah, just yeah. want to sort of bounce off yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when I first saw the name of the track it didn't mean anything to me like I didn't recognise it until I listened to it and then yeah. I was like oh this one yeah 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 like everyone knows this it's a very track. culturally impactful yeah yeah song. it is yeah. Um, yeah but before I dive into my thoughts on the track I want to bring to light the praise that this track has gotten through like through the years yeah so for those of you who don't know it's the song that goes um don't push me because I'm close to the close edge. Close to the edge, yeah. yeah. Which don't has been... push me because I'm... <laughs> I didn't even say that right. It was that... Because um, I'm close to the, the edge. edge. Yeah. yeah. It's It's been like remixed multiple times throughout the years. Yeah. But um, it only took 11 days for this thing to go gold. Whereas like um, The Breaks by Curtis Blow took 8 months. Yeah. Um... This track was named the best hip-hop track of all time by the Rolling Stones in 2017. But I think it's most... Like, the biggest claim to fame that this thing has is in 2002 when the US Library of Congress was archiving culturally, historically significant records. They included this track. Yep. Along with Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. It was on the same... On the like, same archive. bill. Yeah. Yep. Like, imagine making a song and it's deemed as important as that speech. Yeah. That is incredible. Um, yeah, like you said, it's the first conscious rap song. And, um, yeah, people sort of recognize it as the Don't Push Me Because I'm Close to the Edge song. But after listening, it's much more than that. And, um, exactly. Like, it, this is like the start of, like, so many careers that came yeah. came forth after. Like, people finally talked about the way black people were being treated and the way yeah. that... Like they were um, in society, how they were oppressed and things like that. People yeah. saw it, but people didn't hear it. They didn't yeah, like yeah, hear yeah. it from such a powerful and influential but, place. And you can definitely see how NWA then sort of like continued the momentum. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, it's also not Grandmaster Flash on the vocals or the majority of the Furious Five. It's um, Melly Mel uh, on the vocals, right. and then Flash is the DJ. Oh, there you There's go. There's also one other person, but Genius credits two different people for it. Oh. One like in at the top of the page and one in the annotation. So I don't know which one it actually is. Oh, okay. That's a bit odd. But um, yeah, so uh, the topics that he brings up is like poverty in the US. But one thing I notice as well is it's in a very like non-judgmental way. Yeah. Like he just mentions it. He doesn't say, oh, that's bad. That shouldn't be happening. It's just, this is happening. Yeah. Which I thought was... Uh, yeah, like a really cool way of doing it. Um, 
In verse 2, he says, She went to the city and got so so sadiddy. She had to get a pimp. She couldn't make it on her own. Uh, sadiddy means acting posh and trying to associate yourself with a higher class. Uh, in verse 4, he says, They pushed that girl in front of the train, took her to the doctor, sewed her arm on again, stabbed that man right in his heart, gave him a transplant for a brand new start. Which, at first, I was like, Okay, well, that's good that they did that. Yeah. But um, I was reading down in the comments, and it's basically saying that people will do you dirty, and no one really talks about it. Yeah. But then, if they do something good for you, that's all they talk about. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, look at this yeah. good thing that I did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, why'd you put it down there? So I didn't get on my um, <laughs> oh. laptop, mate. <laughs> that's fair enough. Um, the last verse as well is amazing, like the... That's the more sort of storytelling one uh, with the baby like growing up. Yeah. Uh, it starts out with God smiling and frowning at the same time because he's glad that there's a newborn but sad knowing what he's going to go through growing up in the ghetto. Um, this kid growing up, like it takes you through the kid's life as he's Yeah, maturing. and I think, you know, someone that really reminds me of <clears throat> sort of come off this is Tupac. I think Tupac's yeah. influence... Uh, like, sorry, was inspired by a lot of this earlier work from um, just yeah, this one song. Especially tracks like um, Brenda's Got a Baby. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. yeah. Quite very, very similar. similar. Yeah, yeah, you can see the parallels. But it's crazy that, like, we, we said this um, a few weeks ago when we did the breaks. Like, it's crazy the influence that that one song can have. But, like, yeah. this one song, for a completely different reason, yeah. had just as equal um, impact. Like, that one was... Uh, impactful because of the the song structure like it, they put in yeah. choruses repeated words where this one was just the content was like unlocked it was like yeah. no one had gone that far yet and then they hit it and now we just keep bursting through barriers yeah. and i'm sure there's some that we're living through now that we don't even realize that's actually pretty cool <laughs> i like that um well it's actually used I, I don't know about other countries but here in australia it's used on a suzuki ad like it, as, oh yeah, the, yeah, the song the yeah. is coming through like a car wash. Yeah, it's got nothing to do with hip hop. Yeah, this song is being played, and it was made well almost forty years ago. Almost forty years, yeah. Um, but yeah, so with that that kid growing up and sort of taking you through the story of him maturing, uh, he eventually drops out of school, robs someone to get some money. He gets sent to jail. He's regularly beaten on the inside until eventually this kid is driven to suicide. He's not really a kid at that point. Um, and then the outro, it details the two being chucked into a police car after literally just having a conversation about what they should do tonight. Like they were asking, oh, where's everyone else? Yeah. Where do you want to go to eat? Yeah. That's all the conversation was, and they're being arrested for that. Uh, and the most important line to me in the intro is, officer, officer, what's the problem? Then the officer replies with, you're the problem. Yeah. So, yeah, that sort of, it really... At, well, at that time, 1982, there was pretty much no one talking about how black people were being treated, yeah, especially exactly. by police. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and then, it was still such a controversial topic when NWA were doing it. And it's, it's, it was so powerful. It was like the... Um, it was like a political anthem for so many young, yeah. uh, especially black American teens. They were, oh, not just teens, but... Um, adults and like that you can sort of put that song down as one of like like it was uh, like one of the greatest moments in yeah um, in hip hop in hip hop history and even in um, like black history in like African American yeah. um, advancement it, it definitely um, shone a light in places that p 
potentially police and mm. the majority of white America didn't want to see. So yeah, um, really great song. By far and away the best we've done. If we were ranking the songs, this would be one A, B, C, D, yeah. and yeah. two, <laughs> and then the rest while. would be yeah. Um, <laughs> the rest would be after this. But now we're looking forward to what can come in the future because we're going to continue to break down yeah um, walls and continue on this journey. That was really cool when I like first hit play on the song because I literally had no idea what it was. I don't know if you did before hitting play on the song. Uh, listening to it, I, I'd already listened to this song like years ago. Oh, okay, fair years enough. Years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's a tiny But the first time I heard it, I didn't know it was that, but I remember yeah. it came up somehow when I listened to it and yeah. Okay. Because, yeah, I just saw the message, Grandmaster Flash, and I was like, oh, okay. It's yeah. It's just like the next year we're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Nothing super special. Then exactly. I play, I hear the bass line, I'm like, oh, I, I recognise this. Yeah. And then the famous line comes in, and I'm like, oh, wow, okay. Yeah. I started reading the information that Genius had on the page, started hearing the rest, I'm like, okay, this is going to be a big week. It was, it, it's, it became popular in the mainstream for a reason, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, they wouldn't play it in Australia 40 years later if it didn't. Yeah. One was catchy, which it is still to today's standards, oh, yeah. <laughs> and two, very culturally significant. So, really great song. But uh, yeah, we both agree. We finally agree on one. I think we yeah, agreed. It's been a few weeks. Yeah, I think we agreed on the first one, and now yeah, what are we up to? Game. The fourth one. Yeah. Yeah. It was the other one that was better, not Sugar Hill. Yeah, Tiana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not Tiana. Tiana? T- Tanya and yeah, Tanya and someone else, Wiley. Yeah. <laughs> no, Winley. Oh, Winley. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so that's episode uh, four, part two done. Yeah. Um, be sure to tune in on Friday. We've got the fun-filled Fridays yeah, yeah, coming up. You'll be hearing a, a heap of games. Yeah, make sure you check out the socials. Plug it. Well, we've got uh, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, SoundCloud, and YouTube, all at GetCulturedAU. No caps, no spaces, no punctuation, no nothing. We've also got a Spotify playlist, which you can hear on, or we, you can find the link on any of the socials. Uh, it's also called the Get Cultured Playlist, where we sort of chuck in 20 songs each per week, something like that. So, uh, yeah, it's just our favourite songs, so you can go and listen if you want to. And, yeah, I think that's it. So that's a wrap. We'll see you guys in two days. See ya. <laughs>